Episode of Money Lab. I'm your host, Matt Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jivanisi. And joining me is the founder of ListenMoneyMatters.com and the co-host of the Listen Money Matters podcast, which therefore I am also the other co-host of Listen Money Matters podcast, in case <laughs> no one ever knew that. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Fevert. Hey man. What's up, dude? Uh how's business? Good. All right. It's, you know, it's good. 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 All right. how, how about you, dude? Yeah, business is good. All right. Fine. Cool. Great. Uh, in this episode, we're answering five questions from Money Lab listeners. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Money Lab Pro. You've been asking for it, and I finally made it. Money Lab Pro is a membership where you can access every single one of my online business courses and chat with me and other like minded business owners in the members only Money Lab Pro community. You'll also get access to my SEO, monetization, and blogging video courses, my YouTube and podcast video tutorials, my lightning fast WordPress theme, and so much more. I did the math, and Money Lab Pro includes over 155 over-the-shoulder video lessons and growing. Not to mention, it includes access to templates, processes, and spreadsheets that I use to run all my online businesses. And like I mentioned before, Money Lab Pro also includes a members-only community where you can share your ideas and get expert feedback to help you earn more money with your online business. Go to moneylab.co slash pro right now to sign up. It's super affordable and there's no reason not to check it out. That's moneylab.co slash pro. All right, so we're answering your questions. Thanks to everyone who submitted a question over Twitter and email. Keep them coming because we love doing this type of episode, right? We love mm. we love our five uh, questions. They're awesome. I they're love best. Them. All right, let's dive in. You ready? Yeah. All right, first question comes in from at Lens Digital UK on Twitter. How do you keep on top of the changes to the Google algorithm? Do you take proactive or reactive approach? Or do you take a proactive or reactive I l- approach? I love this question. All right. So then hit it. For Okay. Honestly, I uh, obsessively read anything related to any of the changes. I Same. feel like um, I know relatively quickly if there's a change in my site. There has, uh, I don't believe, really ever been an effect. But I'm also looking at my competitors. Yes. Um, and I kind of celebrate if there is you know, changes. Yeah. Um, but we don't do any backlink building. We don't do anything that is shady. And so it's kind of, I feel for me more of like, so I understand further into the future, what Google is looking for things that are waiting heavier, but I'm never afraid or anything because I'm not, there's, there's nothing to penalize me for. Right. So I guess you could say that you do take a proactive approach. Mm. Right? Yes. Yeah. You're not react. You don't really have to do any anything reactive besides just learn what happened. I've never la- made a change as a result. No. And I what usually when I watch or when I see this happen and I read, I start laughing because I'm just like, oh, I know who this is going to target. Mm. I know, I know what they're doing here. And I'm like, I feel bad for everyone. I don't feel bad really, but I used to be that person. Like I, I, I was hit by the, like the original, the OG algorithm update. Penguin or was that what yeah, I think it was mm. either, either, either it was penguin or panda. I feel like they were very uh, similar. Yeah. But I think it was penguin. 
And that was 2008, I believe. And that was when my site got hit because yes, I was doing, and I was following the rules of someone else. I was following a, that was when the SPI strategy was nuked. Oh, well, I read about like, there's like a, uh, article wizard and yeah, dude, I spent hours doing word replacement things that I could spin. Oh man. Yeah. What a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, Thankfully, you know, it was early on in my journey. Yeah, we we did an entire episode on this where I talked to Michelle, who's um, my editor at Swim University, about how to balance between editorial and writing for human beings, but also having an SEO sort of like mindset. And I think it's really kind of you have to go in with really satisfying the the, the visitor mm-hmm. who comes to your website. And then you have this like sort of background understanding of like what the robots want, you know, w- without really doing anything nefarious or trying to hide the fact that you're doing. It's just like, and, and it's almost like not even worth calling it white hat because it's nothing hat. There's no hat. Yeah. It's it's it, it. You know, it's instead of saying market, say stock market, right? Or, you just, know, like just and if anything, it makes it more clear. Exactly. Exactly. So. I we I think you and I have take, taken a long-term proactive approach where we've been proactive about it since like probably in the last six years where it's just like we have no fear that when Google does this, we are going to get tanked because we don't do anything wrong. Neither of us spends an iota of time on something that we don't believe will be worthwhile well into the future. I and- will say, though, that we are losing out on short-term gains Quick because cash. of that. Yes. Yep. Because but- we like you had, you had sent me um, a, a website that is for sale and is um, they're, they're selling it. There's a, they, they, they make probably like $2,500 a month. And I went and looked at their HREFs and like they started last year, they're mm-hmm. one year in and they have a ton of traffic and you can just see the big spike. And they have like 181,000 backlinks. And I'm like, okay. Is this the poor-related one? Huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. So this one was, and I've gotten sent this by other people too. Um, When you look at something like that, it's it's very clear that they built this website and gamed the system very quickly and and are trying to offload it before it tanks. Hmm. Right? So they- It's making 2,500 a month. Why would you sell it if it's a good thing? Right. Because like, you know it's about to, you know, Google's It's a hot one, potato. Right. It's a hot potato. So we just don't build sites like that. Mm. And that's what I teach in the SEO course. And that's what we kind of teach on the show or at least talk about on the show is like, we're not, we're not like, I don't, I don't call myself an internet marketer. Mm. I don't call myself an affiliate marketer. I don't subscribe to a lot of the things that are out there that are the the standard, you know, way of doing things. Internet farmer is what is that what you call yourself? A Google farmer. No, I I just I just I'm a digital publisher, if mm. anything. I just make really I try to make really entertaining and informative content that is evergreen and stands the test of time. We're just bloggers because the irs has blogger salaries at a rather low yeah so we want to make sure we're really hitting the reasonable numbers there yeah so uh, (laughs) i hope that answered your question at lens digital uk thank you 
Very good question. So this next question is from Anthony. <sighs> All right. What would happen to your website if you died? In my case, my wife knows I run a website and knows roughly it's worth at, it's worth as an asset. She would be the owner through our will, but if I died there, or if I, but if I died, like there would they be are like on the website. <laughs> right. If I died there, if I died, there would be a real risk that something could go wrong before she was able to understand what she needed to do. For example, the domain name or the hosting might not get renewed as my credit cards were canceled. I'm dead. <laughs> or not updating WordPress plugins could result in problems. Do you know how to best plan for this? The person inheriting your website needs to really know how to run it or how to sell it. And that's not easy for people without experience to do. Mm. Uh, okay. It's a great question. It, it is a really good question. Yes. Uh, Have you thought it, about it at all? No. Yeah. Well, I always think about death. Um, I, th I think about death a lot. <laughs> it's that Italian guilt thing. Right? Yeah, it's uh, something. It's a fear of it. Uh, so what I am trying to do with my website currently mm -hmm. is I am trying to treat it as if I were dead today. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. If I... Honestly, if I died, I think Steph, who would take over, knows enough about the internet and knows, and has run websites on her own mm -hmm. where I don't have to worry about her knowing how to update WordPress plugins and, you know, and, and that's and like she, kind of like the low barrier though. There, yeah. And you and, know that there is more in the unknown woods of. Sure. Um, but she would get it. She would be able to get, she would be able to work with that. And she has enough Laura people to well. contact. She's uh, yeah, she would have enough people to contact. Me. Yeah. Um, like Laura could talk to me like, what the fuck should I do? I'd be like, well, here, do that. That was going to kind of be my answer is like one, like, yes, it's all kind of like left to whatever. But then it's just kind of like one big sticky note left on the monitor. monitor ask Matt. Ask Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but here's, I think the bigger, the bigger answer, which is. Do st think about it that way. Like, what if you thought about your website today as if you weren't alive? Would your web, could your website run with you if you were a ghost <laughs> and you can't <laughs> use the mouse, your hand passes right through the desk, right? I think that that's a fun, well, not maybe not fun, a morbid exercise mm -hmm. in, in running a crazy tight business. Well, you don't want to be required. So this way, if someone right. is like, hey, Matt, it's 9 a.m., you want to grab a beer, you're like, I'm already mm -hmm. at the bar. Right. But here's the other thing, too. If you think about, like, let's just take the domain example. Hmm. You know, he, he says that, you know, what if my wife doesn't renew the domain? Well, guess what? I have my domain name bought until the max that it can be bought. <laughs> I've, and I, I do it every year. I try yeah. to push it as far as it'll go. Because that is my business. And it's like, I don't want to lose that. And so I just, you know, go to GoDaddy or whatever, you know, Google Domains or whatever, and just buy it out for the next like 10 years or as much as I'll let you buy it also, out. Also, the payments are kind of automated and the, the business card is on the business. Right. So that was the other thing too, is he said about like the credit cards would get canceled. Uh, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but, but, um, this way matters is better credit than I do. Like, right. Their cards are not getting canceled. <laughs> yeah. But I think one, start building out SOPs and storing them in a place that 
even your teammates can find mm. where if where they like if they need it to here's what would here's like in case of emergency here's what to do or do, like in your asana for bloggers course and not to yeah. like whatever do you kind of detail the documentation end of things i believe i do yeah it's been a it's been a while and it needs to be updated but yeah because i was going to say like you basically made me do it and helped me do it i think yeah if so if it's in there like just get it from yeah, the like that out. that specific thing isn't in there but i mean you could how 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 long would that take you to fill out you know it's, it's just one microcosm of you may show like document your writing process well then you document the domain yeah, renewal the process or the admin cloud stuff. flare yeah yeah um i think it's a really interesting exercise in starting that today mm. and and looking at your business as if you were not alive and basically removing yourself as the bottleneck from your business and t- making yourself a turnkey player in your own thing right can it, can i can someone pluck me out of my own business and drop someone else in and everything will be okay so i'm i'm having twins and planning yep. on taking 2 months off and so i've been insanely obsessed and you've been like massively helping me like literally this coming monday we're going to be talking about more things yeah. just yeah, I mean, and it's very freeing. I, I don't think I was able to see it until you made me see it. You, yeah, and then all of a sudden you you start to look at your business from a, you know, they say you should work on your business instead of in your business. I, I like thought that was a cliche. I was like, I don't me even too. know what that means. I like working in my business, mm. but when you remove yourself, then you start to think more high level and you can make decisions that are a lot more laser focus and targeted that can actually make significant improvements but if you're actually doing the work and trying to do that it's it's too much mm. and no business or, or anything that's successful is is really done but by, by one person you know like if you look at like even the most successful youtubers which seem like one person it's really a team of people oh for you sure know? and and even those pool th- videos even those pool videos there's a, yeah there's multiple people working on those videos and it's just me just me yeah. on film, but how many people right now? Right now, three, including including myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Script writing, editing, me, and then I'm I'm currently doing the filming and the uploading to YouTube. I'm trying to figure out a way to get myself out of the uploading part. So we'll see. <laughs> Sounds uh, like an easy piece of it, well, but well, yeah. But then if somebody has access to your Gmail account to log into YouTube, so it's maybe it's your not, dad wants a side hustle. Maybe there's there's I feel like there's a third party tool to help you do that, but I haven't I haven't looked into it yet. My point is, is like everything that you do in your business, like everything you just mentioned, Anthony, with, you know, domains, plugin updates, that shit should be written down in an SOP somewhere in your thing. And mine happens to be all in Asana. And my team has access to all of those files because much more likely or perhaps what you want is that you're doing so damn well. You don't have time to do some of these things. Yeah, I think the thing, too, is like you think about let's just updating plugins as an example, mm. right, which I think is a great example. You think to yourself as a business owner, I, it takes me two seconds. I hit a fucking button. Mm. I hit a button and it just does it. Great. Well, you had to log in first. Right, you had to take the time out of your schedule to do that task. Whether it took you a minute or not, it's still a minute, and it's still a detraction from something else you could be doing. Where literally anyone in the world 
you are not the only person capable of logging into WordPress, clicking update, and then being done with that. And someone might not deem it important. No. So what I would do in that case is say, hey, I'm going to give a task to one of somebody on my team that every month they have to log into Swim University and they have to update all the plugins. And that's that person's job and that's it. And then, yeah. And then we, I document how to do that. Just like make a video, do a a card in in Asana that's like step step one: log into Swim University using uh, LastPass. Step two: go to the plugins tab. Step three: update any plugin that needs to be updated. Step four: log out of WordPress. <laughs> Done. It sounds so silly, but put that on someone else's plate and now all of a sudden you have to stop worrying about updating plugins. Mm. Like just one day you're that does ne- that you never have to do that again. <laughs> it's some it's weirdly freeing. Mm. You know? So, I would say, my answer to that is you're dead now. Figure out a way to run your business <laughs> from the grave. Uh anything else you want to add to that? No, I think that was good. All right. Thank you Anthony. Appreciate that. This God, next every one time is from you say Anthony, that's like the most thing that people would say for me when they don't like they instead of calling me andrew they'll call me anthony because i get my name wrong really yeah it's, it's you so get we makes it sounds close so every time you say it i'm like my name's andrew like i'm just so used to that's the name that's so weird i guess because you're in new york so everyone just thinks you're anthony i guess uh, yeah perhaps uh, yeah i i don't get i just yeah i get max sometimes Max, M-A-X. Yeah, just because I'm like Matt. And they're like, Max? I'm like, who's, ma- who's named Max? <laughs> what's, what's more likely? <laughs> um, anyway, so this next one is from Darren. He says, should you launch a site with no content and build it from there or build a site offline and launch it with content already in the bank? Well, no one's visit your site for months. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. I would just put it up and create shit and just yeah. go with it. Yeah, I would. I so, yeah, this is probably a short answer, but yeah, I would just launch with no any launch like with, protracted launch plan unless you have an existing audience. It's it's a moot point. Yes, if you have an audience that's like waiting for a thing, yeah, then build it up, get it ready, and then launch to a big, big you know announcement. Get a bunch of people flooded to the website, reading it, reading the content that's like there. Otherwise, you launch, you just fucking put the site up. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's not gonna. It's not gonna mean anything for SEO, if that's what the if that's really what the question is rooted in. We've had a we've had a new website we started for a few months, and we only just started to get. It's a cat website, mm-hmm. and we only just started to get keywords, and they're not even related to, to the things we created. How many how many articles do you have on that? Uh, maybe ten. Okay, and I want to say but- we maybe have fifteen keywords. And you started when you first launched the site. Did you start with it? Just launched. You just had a site with zero posts, zero things. We did the theme, and you know, yeah. You probably did. You have like a dummy post just to test. Oh yeah, yeah. we just copied one from I think Listen Money Matters just to yeah. see the formatting and yeah, yeah. So if that's any indication, yeah. that's how Brew Cabin started. Started with zero <laughs> articles. So humble yeah, beginnings. It yeah, it doesn't matter. So thanks, Darren, for your question, and we're gonna move on to. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to just say it, Teodora or Tedora. Hmm. How would you say that word, that name? So um, I would say Theodora, like Theodore, but Theodora. 
But Theodora is with a TH, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I believe so. Oh. You're literally asking the worst person. I say secretary. I don't even know how to pronounce <laughs> basic words. <laughs> you say, uh, how do you, and you, do you say bagel or bagel? Bagel. Bagel, okay. Uh, so Theodora or Tadora. Uh, I apologize for getting the name wrong. If I did, let me know which one's the right, the right way to pronounce it or a new way to pronounce or the way that you're supposed to pronounce it. Um, but the question is, how do you or how do no follow and do follow links work? I know that do follow have more weight, quote unquote, than no follow. And also that you need to have a certain ratio between them because if your blog may, if not, your blog may seem spammy. It sounds like you should give mostly no follow and try to get only do follow links. How do you manage this? Um, okay. I think it's pretty much bullshit at this point. Yeah. Um, the way that I would... Uh, yeah, this is kind of an old school mentality. Um, the original me- mentality, the idea was that you had a certain finite amount of link juice on your website. Yeah. And every link that you had internal or external would pass link juice. So reduce the value of that one page and Mm -hmm. pass value to another page unless it was no follow. Mm -hmm. And then it would retain link juice. So you wouldn't send the link juice to the link. Yeah. Here's the way that I, well, I guess let's be very specific. No, really there's only no follow. That's the only rel tag that you add to By a link. By default, right? it's, yeah, new default. default. So basically, what it means is you are telling the Google spider, the crawler, to crawl your website and allow it to go through that link to the next link, right? Mm-hmm. If you add rel equals no follow, then what you're saying to the crawler is do not count this at, do not follow this link to where it's supposed to go, right? And, I mean, the crawler will anyways because it wants to discover the internet. But Sure. Um, so what I normally do is I only put no follow on links that I just feel don't deserve me linking to them. Mm. For example, any social media links that I have on Swim University have a no follow on them, mm. right? Because uh, I don't Facebook doesn't need more links from my website to theirs. They're just, already they got all the link juice they need. Yeah, I just and plus the way I kind of the way I kind of look at it is you want to and this is so stupid because I know it's not real, but imagine like a ball gets dropped onto your website, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this weird bucket and the ball keeps bouncing around constantly. The more holes you have in the bucket, the more chances of that ball leaving the bucket and what my goal is is to keep that ball bouncing around the bucket and then and then get funneled over to other buckets that i own Mm. right and so and this may be a terrible analogy but the idea being that like i don't want the ball to fall off and go to facebook i want it to fall and go to an internal link to go to another page on my website or to stay and crawl my page before it spiders off into something else right it's not it's not how it works but that's the way i envision it and so I put no follows on the social links and any any website that's like social media stuff. Uh, and I also put it on every affiliate link because I believe you're supposed to. That's like the best practice. I also do for any link that we will earn money, money from. from, 
We put no yeah. And when I used to um, do sponsored posts where I would provide a link to the you know the company that would buy the sponsored post, that would also have a no follow on that because you're not supposed to sell. According to Google, selling links is bad. Mm. But if you are going to sell links, they have to have a no follow on them because you don't want you're not you're not paying for SEO. You're just paying to have your your brand mentioned, right? And so by adding a no follow, you're telling Google that you, I don't want to pass any of my SEO power onto them. Right. Like it's a promotional thing, not yeah. an SEO. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there's nothing about a, ra- a ratio. I've never heard of the ratio thing. I think that's mostly for the blog comments. Mm. Remember like going, you should, you should, you would, ra- you were able to get backlinks by going onto other blogs and leaving comments but you would only really want to do that on blogs that allowed do follow links in the comment section, which was hard to find because a lot of uh, comment sections I actually are built a tool to help me find. Fit, yeah, because but that was back in the day when that shit mattered. Yeah. And now it doesn't. And leaving blog comments for backlinks is stupid. And I don't care what anybody says. You can argue me till I'm blue in the face, but I have done zero of that. And I've been perfectly fine getting ranking for all the keywords. Mm, and same. so. Yeah, it's it's not a thing, and I I would not worry about it on other people's sites because you can't control it and whatever. Um, I would just say on your own site, if you are linking to something that makes you money, first of all, you should be disclosing that, and then second of all, it should be a no. Fo- it should have rel equals no follow attached to the, to the URL or to the uh, href link. And that's it. Boom. Boom. Okay. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you for the question. Appreciate that. And moving on to our last question from Paul, who, who says or asks, how much does site performance affect SEO? I'd say like it is, I believe, a massive factor to the point uh, Laura's cousin was over our house and, and he was mm-hmm. trying to build a website and we were looking at, you know, things that, you know, niches and if there was like ranking potential for a brand new site. And one of the things we're like, oh, okay, there's like really low competition, like zero to three, you know, decent volume. Then I take the top uh, posts in Google and I throw them in GT metrics. I'm like, E and F, you you got this in the bag. Right. Like you create something decent that's super fast, you own it. Yep. I, I would go a little further and say that site performance can kind of mean a bunch of things. Like I understand that we're probably talking about page speed here. But even how it looks, yeah, is, is it so trustworthy? Important. It's a trustworthy factor. Mm. Yeah, totally. Like, does it read well? Like, yeah. will people get through the page to the bottom? Right. Um, I know we talk a lot about SEO on the show. We talk a lot about it. I talked a lot about it with my editor. I talked. I talk about it with a lot of people, and I feel like sometimes. I talk mostly about the content side of things and I rarely talk about the you know the 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 hierarchy or the entire site structure. Well, cuz you How kind of is, nailed that down a while well, ago like yeah. the speed and whatever and so Right. It's like a one and done. You spend a few month, few months fixing it and then yeah. never again. Yeah, and I also over the years have gotten a lot more uh, I've gotten a lot more simple. 
like my my designs when it comes to websites and the and the decisions that I make on what to put on a website have just mostly gone towards how do I remove like how do I mm. edit this so there's like almost nothing but the brand still comes through as best as possible because even the best news sites are slow as balls yeah. because they have fucking gif ads running they have um, they're loading content that's been edited a bunch of times and maybe has to has a database issue. They're, um, you know, obviously they have a lot of traffic, but they have a lot of these like extra pieces. And when you really think about it, it's like a lot of them, they're really un- unnecessary. I agree. And and one of the big things that Google is like this June update for Google, mm-hmm. they, they re- and they rarely do this. They pre-announced it. And one of the core features, if not the core feature, is that uh, it's mobile only now. Like they will yeah. still crawl your desktop and there's still desktop search, but um, it's not like mobile first or mobile's important or a separate index. There's one index and it's the mobile index. Mm-hmm. And so if you're slow or bloated for mobile, like you're penalized. Yeah. And that's why. A lot of designers are going that whole design for mobile first and then scale up, mm. which if you look at my sites on on just a desktop, there's a lot of white space because it's like I really design it to think about like, well, this people are going to read this on a mobile device on their toilet. So, you know, how is that experience? Because that should be lightning fast and and it should be minimal. I used to have the thing that, fo- you know, I used to have and I, I got rid of it, but like I used to have it where. I would, and I don't know if you still have this on so many matters, but do you have it where the um, the header follows you when you're on your mobile device? Uh, I don't think so anymore. Maybe if you are scrolling down and then scroll up, it might reappear. It might reappear. Yeah, I got rid of that. I used to have that, and I was like, this is really a bad experience. I hate this when, when other websites do it. I hate mm-hmm. the share buttons on oh, mobile. Oh, share buttons are gone. And- yeah. I hate um, when, any, when, any, when anything follows me, because like the the actual screen of Safari follows you, mm. but even when you're in Safari and you start scrolling down, it just goes away. You ever notice that? Mm. Like if you're on a website and I start scrolling down, everything disappears, and then it's only when you scroll back up that it all reappears. Like that you're saying, like the URL and stuff like that. Well, yeah, you can. Can you see it on my phone? Like, well, no, it, I, I've used a phone before. No, I don't think not mine though. I think mine's a little bit better. Right? Oh, because you have iOS 11. No, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, this idea that like w- just remove any sort of distraction from the actual reading of the content, and then it's and then there's like uh, you know, um, yeah. What were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say like uh, we had this conversation like literally years ago on the sidebar. And I remember right. we discovered with Listen Money Matters and Swim You did when we would design these images, like just anything to get people to no one would click. It was as if yeah. it did the sidebar didn't exist. So yeah. we removed it. And honestly, yep. on mobile it's not there anyways. One less thing right. to think about. And so, you know. I get re- you know, I get the, I got asked that question recently about the sidebar, like, you know, hey, I'm building a website. Should I Kill have it. a sidebar? I'm like, no. They're like, well, my sidebar has a subscribe thing, and then if if in mobile it gets shifted to the bottom, well, then the subscribe button's at the bottom. I'm like, well, then what's the point? Like, do your, I mean, obviously, like, do your test. You know, see if anybody's actually going to your sidebar and entering it in. 
I would argue it's so nominal that it's not even worth designing for. Who's hitting your page? Probably from a Google search or a link from another site, whatever. And before they've even looked at the content, like, oh, wow, this design, I just need to subscribe because right. I guess the content will be good. Like, it's just design, not a thing. Design does instill trust, but it doesn't have to be the craziest, most action-packed design, parallax scrolling bullshit. Mm. I mean... People get desensitized to that real quick when it doesn't load. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because of, because of that. And people win awards when they, you know, make a really crazy design and they impress a lot of people in the beginning. But, you know, ultimately, and I'm I'm guilty of this. I am super guilty of trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to website design mm. and and have like tried to be clever and try to be cool and interesting and get people to like want to share my stuff. One, no one does. And two, it really doesn't help the end user. Like it might get me some accolades in the in my own industry, but it doesn't help the end user. Yeah, and so usually just, those are the people that you're not trying to reach. Yeah, you're just giving yourself fellatio for doing a cool drop down menu that no one's going to see on mobile. So yeah. lame. So yes, I. But but so, so let's be specific. What pieces of seo do you think that site performance actually affects like what factors do you think it like really matters wait you're saying what does performance affect or what uh is important for seo yeah what do we think like i believe that well we believe that obviously page speed is important because google's Oh, so you're saying what are the factors for SEO that are yes, and that are affected by page speed or site performance in general? I've I've had this latest obsession with Ahrefs because I spend far far too much time on it. As you nodding your head and like you know, well, mostly because you said it wrong, but yeah, I'm I'm used to it now. It's it's Ahrefs, right? Ah, Ahrefs. It's Ahrefs. You know they they have their top pages sorted by traffic. And I know for yeah. all of my sites that that's just completely wrong. Right. But well, you, it's, when, it's it's right based on their math. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's right. all wrong relatively, but sure. you know, in terms of the actual pages that are important, it's not the right pages. But when I sort it by keywords, mm-hmm. the ones with the most keywords actually are it like it almost exactly mirrors my top pages in terms of traffic, and mm. so. Uh, one, like that's pretty much how I look at that report for other websites, but, uh, it kind of makes me think that, uh, comprehensiveness or like going wide, hitting all those terms is more important than nailing one, Mm -hmm. you know, go for a thousand keywords. One is just like a suggestion. Well, so what I, what I usually, what I teach in my course, or at least what I describe in my course is. I swing big and in the process of doing that, you happen to rank for like a hundred of the other ones because Mm -hmm. it's like, if you go for the biggest, broadest, baddest keyword, your, your site, your page becomes so comprehensive that you end up ranking for all of the smaller keywords that you didn't even have to research. And most of them are almost the exact same thing. Slight deviations. Yeah. And it is smart to go and look at those like um, those keywords, those cousin keywords, and find them and add them to your mm. post because why not? And you're just being more thorough. I think uh, the perfect example was what you were explaining to me in work that you're doing with SwimU, where you had uh, filter posts and they mm-hmm. were super specific. So it was like a sand filter and 
I don't know. There were two other filters. Sure. I don't really care. But so it was essentially two or three posts that in combining them can hit all of those things and the top level, just basic broad filter keyword. And so uh, the idea, if say approaching in reverse is you're creating this post on how to clean filters. Mm -hmm. Are there different types of filters? And then you create pieces for each of those. And so now you're going to be more comprehensive for the main piece and you're going to kind of go wide. So maybe you don't hit the top level term, but you nail it for sand filters or whatever. So like you're less likely to create a dud. Right. And to go on the site performance part of that, when you create comprehensive things, they end up getting pretty long, mm. right? And one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts about SEO advice is when people say that, you know, people like fucking Neil Patel, who's just become one of the people that I really just dislike on the internet anymore. <laughs> I used to like him, and I just, he's just been swarmier every minute, just really mm. just sleazy. And, uh, and his advice is really kind of not, it's not really good. Um, but what he essentially was saying is like, oh, your posts have to be like, you know, and, and everybody says this, even Brian Dean from Backlinko have done, they've done research and have said like, in like generality, 2,500, you know, words per post are really what people get. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, okay. When you average it out like that, sure. But that's not true. That's not a true statement. Right. Some people think, well, if if twenty five hundred words is like good, I'm going to do twelve thousand words. Mm. And what happens when you do that? One, you create a really bad mobile experience. Right. Who the fuck is going to read half a book in in, (laughs) on their phone in one in one scroll? They not click a single link or be distracted or right. Like, no. And no one comes back. Right, <laughs> on mobile. Only and, forward. And uh, when I think about, people ask me a lot about the, the table of contents. Mm. You know, they're like, how come you don't add table of contents in your posts? I'm like, because I don't write posts long enough to have table of contents. Also, write a fucking book. You want table of contents. Well, Go write a book. the table of contents is a way to get sublinks on your search results. So, like, you know, you have your main link and you have right. like, links below the... Yeah, but that happens. I happens. I get that without even having a mm. plugin for that. I don't, so I built my on. point. <laughs> yeah, but my point is, is you're just adding more. You're Jesus. adding more, and you're detracting from the actual experience because it's like, well, you're forcing people to jump around. You should design your post and your article so that at you know when you start reading it on your phone, it's engaging. Mm. It answers the question thoroughly but quickly, and and. You don't have to, like, it's like the whole, uh, when you think about recipe blogs and you, I don't know if you've had to do this, but like you, you know, you Google a recipe for macaroni salad. Which is like, give me the ingredients already. Yeah. You're like, I don't give a fuck about your grandma. Yeah. It's like, tell me, just give me the, and I, you always scroll down to the bottom and it's just like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. And that is just a bad user experience and it gets you angry. That's so true. I have no patience for that. No patience. And so just think about it in you, like, you know, not that we're evolving. Like, everybody just wants the answer. Yeah. So, which is why Google's stealing your content and just putting it up as the answer. Yeah. You know, like, that's what people want. So, design your site, design your content to be around that. 
You know, what again, we try to make things as comprehensive as possible, but in the fewest amount of words. Mm. And that's really what people well, have trouble doing. I think that cuts to the heart of editing. And look, you may be yeah. an amazing writer, but you still need to edit your own stuff. Yeah. Because 2,000 words could be awesome, but then maybe you could make it 1,500, 1,200 words, and it could be like delightfully amazing. Yes. And that's ultimately part of what I'm doing. And I think, I don't know if this is something I should track as an experiment. Mm. Um, maybe. But on Money Lab, one of my projects for the next few months is to go back through old posts and basically re-edit them and like remix them so that they are SEO friendly and that they read like a blog post that is like super tight, entertaining, and it gets the fucking point across. Not every post is going to have that ability to do that, but I think it certain posts will. And it's like my, it's going to be really hard to sit. I mean, cause a lot of these posts are like 10,000 words cause they've been updated multiple times throughout their life. And I have to go turn 10,000 words into 2,500, you know, just like, holy shit, mm. you know, distill it down. It'll make it easier for people to consume it. Consume. Yeah. Not Especially because they don't have SEO. to, they're not consuming it in real time anymore. Mm. So it's like, oh, well, this is a fucking amazing post. And look, you know? truth be told, and you could envision Money Lab of the future or however big it is. Just the immediate audience, there'll always be a bigger audience consuming it after it was completed right. than during the process. And in the process of editing it, you're improving site performance yeah. because there's less shit to load. You know, if you're loading things and they don't like I, my whole thing is if you're and you do this. And so I'm going to, you know, hmm. I'll, I'm going to criticize you for it Yeah, to go for it. But if you're loading a stock photo that serves no purpose to answering the actual question in the article, <laughs> then you are doing one extra thing that like is really just a design thing that you could have done with an SVG, mm. you know, or nothing. I know a lot of people, even I'm again, super guilty of this. We'll, we'll create a big breakout image in the middle of the, of the post. I'm like, unless that image is describing it, it is needed in order to, in order to like make the reader understand what the fuck you're talking about. Like graphs are right. always great. But... I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, I could in like seconds comment out a line of code. Um, and only on the, so, so we have featured images because when we share them, they appear. And right, right. In, so like if you have, yeah. if you link to it, I have like a, a yeah. short code that makes it all pretty. But yep. like you're saying, when you're on the post, I could do a thing and run a test for however long, just removing it. And you're saying you think that it will improve everything if well, I remove no, it. Well, no, I'm not saying it's going to change your game, but I, I think, like, one, you're removing one piece of, like, you're removing something that actually doesn't answer the question. Mm. And it's a big piece. It's like a big, it's a big block, right? And it's like, if you remove it, you don't have to load it. So one, you're, you're, that page will load faster. Mm -hmm. by microseconds but it'll load faster and i know microseconds isn't a thing i get it but also you're letting people on mobile get to the fucking answer faster mm -hmm. they had one less thumb scroll to, to get their question answered that's it it's such a small little thing but you're improving the experience for the end user hmm. should i run a test 
I think the test will be so minimal that it may like not you won't make even sense. notice that. Yeah. But I think a lot of people overdo that. You know, mm. it's I don't I don't necessarily think you're overdoing it, but I think it's unnecessary. And we so what we used to do at Swim University was I just assumed we were paying money for these graphics to be made. So what we would well, have we don't, them we don't the, pay for them anything to be made like that. We just, but you're still paying for the for the Unsplash well, is free. Oh, you're getting it for free. So uh, and you're getting photos which are inherently bigger than what we're putting up. So mm. we were putting them up as a featured image, but because we were paying for it, I'm like, well, you might as well stick it in the article. Mm. But then it literally doesn't help the article. It just helps you click on it from in in uh, you know YouTube or whatever, or I'm sorry, uh, like social media. But then once you're on the page, you don't really need to re-see that, mm. you know? And uh, so I just removed it. Just removed them from all my sites, from all my pages. And it's like, I guess when okay. I read Quartz, I do enjoy, I mean, theirs are, I wouldn't say more on point, but it's you're definitely well, on point. I enjoy that design. Yeah. It's a design thing, I guess. Right. But there's another way to do it where you'll you won't even miss it. Mm. You know, you may like it, which is fine. You're allowed to like it. Uh, but if it was removed and maybe you just, you know, made the your logo pop a little bit more or like some do some other cool thing that was in either SVG or better CSS, and you did some cool design with that. Then you're like, well, oh, it still d- looks nice. It just mm. doesn't have that thing that's un- unnecessary. But I get why people like photos. I just do. It's just I just think, and it, I just think, if you're gonna use a photo, it better it better serve the the it better act as a visual aid to the content and not just a photo of a piggy bank. Right, right. When you're, you know what I mean? It doesn't with this unless you're talking we, about. We, we try to do a little better than that, but yeah, you know, but you so, know what I mean. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I know what you mean. So, uh, and again, I, every, I, you know, I used to be like that. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not holier than thou and, and saying like, you guys are all doing it wrong. I did all of that shit. And the more that I keep redesigning my websites, the more decisions I'm making, like I, I uh, shit. I mean, our, I just did this last year. Our homepage at Swim University had a big wide image, like a JPEG of a pool on our homepage and I sat there and I'm like I can't get rid of this because then how will anybody know we're a pool site you know just like weird shit like that and I'm like Mm -hmm. you know what I just deleted it and I put a blue solid blue CSS background it looks just as good no one notices it's gone and the the homepage loads that much faster yeah because it's not because I'm not loading a 200 or 2000 pixel wide JPEG as a background image just for de- just for a design aesthetic, it wasn't. There was it served the person no benefit. Yeah, I mean, I just went there and yeah, you you don't even. It's, fine. it's kind of like a whatever thing. You're going to the content. Yeah, that's all you want, and and most people aren't even hitting the homepage. They're hitting the, you know, hmm. one of my articles. So I think site performance is probably like way bigger than I even make it out to be. I I think it is for for a while it was our competitive advantage. I, to a degree, I still think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people can make fast websites. Yes, you know uh, that's not a hard thing to do. And I'm I'm also noticing a lot of people making fast websites. Um, you know, even my competitors. And it's getting easier and easier, and there are awesome tools out there. But I yeah. think it's like you're more likely to push rank with shittier content that's super fast and a low difficulty thing than right. you are with amazing content on an established site uh but it's slow 
as yeah. compared to. So just imagine if you had all that. The, the it was fast, it was well designed, and the content was ridiculously good, and you got to the fucking point. Mm. Like imagine how good your website. Like it's it's be. more about removing reasons that you wouldn't be ranked. Right, exactly, or removing reasons that somebody would be like, ugh, you know, yeah. have that reaction. Pop ups. And look, everyone. First of all, the pop up thing. God, I can't believe we're still doing it. <laughs> and whatever. I know. Yeah, I don't know. It is the most. I mean. It's so funny because like I hate it so much, and yet I did it, mm. and it wor- It fucking works. But that's the problem. Here's the thing: you, it works. You get email addresses, but I wonder yeah. the quality of those addresses versus mm-hmm. the ones you get at the bottom of the page or the middle yeah. or whatever. Because they I, have to want to sign up, right? And like, is more better or is like less but better better? You know, and maybe Money Lab is a perfect example. Small yeah. but high quality, like yeah. audience. Yep. Both um, the podcast and the website. Mm. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think the people who listen to the show are of a higher caliber than uh, people that we know have similar shows. Especially the people that listen to Money Money Lab. They're stupid. Oh, yeah. Those guys. They're just, they just copied us. <laughs> Landrew and. Pat. Max. <laughs> Max. Uh, all right. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Thank you, Paul, for that question. I know we spent some time on it, but I figured it was worth it. It was good to the point question, but also kind of a deep subject. Mm. Um, no, I'm good. All right, good. Well, I want to thank Greg Jenkins for sending in my new middle name, Matt Dwayne The Rock Johnson Jiminesi. It's <laughs> fucking great. Um, appreciate that, Greg. I also want to thank everyone who sent in a question. Keep them coming. We'll be doing more of these shows in the future. Tell me if you like these shows. Send me an email, matt at moneylab.co, if you like the five questions episodes. Or if you don't, I'll take the criticism. Just send, <laughs> send it on in. And then ignore it. And, <laughs> no, I won't ignore it. I don't, I don't ignore my emails. Uh, and of course, you. I want to thank Andrew, my man, Andrew, for joining me on this episode of Money Lab. Thank Every you. Every time you say that, I get a little bit taller. I'm now 5'5", five five, by the way. Wow. Yeah. What were you before? (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, uh, head over to moneylab.co to read more about our business experiments and challenges and see some updates to older posts, perhaps in the near future. I will probably be emailing people about that. Uh, And email me, matt at moneylab.co, with topics you'd like us to discuss on future episodes of the show. And feel free to send me a new middle name suggestion. Nothing is off limits, but it better be funny. That's it. (laughs) Nothing's off limits. But it has to be funny. That's that's the rule. <laughs> or else you're getting shadow banned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. You just, you know, we don't we don't pick them all. Mm. We don't pick them all. But the ones that we pick, oof, highly curated. Oofies, so good, so good. Uh, so send those in. And if you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast Player, FM, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And when you do, please leave a review. That's it. Bye bye. <laughs> Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 